The Covenant Podcast is brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS exists to provide ministerial training in the context of a confessional local church. They are, among other things, confessional, Baptist, affordable, accessible, and accredited. Stay tuned for more information about Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Otherwise, check out their website, cbtseminary.org. The Covenant Podcast exists to discuss doctrine, theology, and the biblical worldview from a covenantal Baptist perspective. We pray that this resource will be edifying to you and glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast today. I'm here with my co-host, Jimmy Johnson, and our special guest, Brad Weber. Brad serves as an associate pastor elder of Youngstown Metro Church. Uh, Him and his wife, Christine, have been married since 2016 and reside in Poland with their two dogs, Rory and Tiger. Brad currently hosts video platforms, uh, Theology Nights, and he runs his own media company called Weber Media. Brad is driven with a heart for sound doctrine, which is fueled for his love for God's people. Brad highly values biblical teaching and preaching as well, and contributes uh, to the life of the church through scripture accountability. He is a guardian of truth, and God uses him well in this capacity at Youngstown Youngstown Metro Church. Brad, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Austin. I appreciate that. And that was such a nice intro, man. Where did you get all that information from? It was almost like you just pulled that off a website or something. That was really good. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you guys for having me on. I, I, it's, I always consider it an honor to be on somebody else's platform. So thank you. Well, we are glad to have you on with us, Brad. And with that said, and you mentioning a website, um, we both are aware as well as our, we want our audience to be aware that you, you have your own platform um, called Theology Nights, which is video streamed as well as I believe it has a podcast that is coupled with it. So if you could just share share with us about your own your own platform, Theology Nights. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it started in June of 2018. Um, I am a big tech guy and I love the internet. I love social media. Uh, I see the good that social media can provide for believers Uh, And I also see how we can use social media as a resource to help others grow. And I knew all along that I wanted to do something um, through the internet uh, to help others with theology. Uh, I knew it wasn't writing because I'm not a gifted writer, Uh, just not something that I'm passionate about. Um, I knew that it wasn't going to be just a podcast because I, I listen to so many other podcasts and they're so much better than I am. And so I thought, like, what do I have to offer? So I thought, no, I don't want to do just a podcast. There's plenty of those. So I thought, well, why don't I do this? Let's let's try to do a live weekly show. We'll stream it through Facebook on Friday nights, and people can ask questions during the chat. They can submit questions in advance, and the goal will be to work through these questions that people have submitted, kind of like a live Q&A that you would see at a conference. So it was Tuesday of the week that I started. And I posted something and I said, listen, this Friday at 7.30 p.m., it's our first live show. Uh, We'll be going live on Facebook. We want you to join us. We'll chat. We'll have a good time. And a bunch of people showed up. And it was really encouraging to me because we had great conversations and it was a lot of fun. So I thought that was the first one. Had a lot of friends that were supporting me. Let's see what happens in a month or two. And uh, in a month or two, we were still kind of plugging away. And, and, and so I said, well, let's see about six months. And so then six months happened. And then fast forward to here we are now. We've done uh, about a year and a half uh, where we've morphed from um, just a video stream through Facebook to now uh, we stream through Facebook and we stream through YouTube. Uh, we also stream through the Theology Nights webpage, um, so you can access it in three different forms. Uh, plus, we upload everything to YouTube. Uh, you can see the episodes that way. Uh, and then I pull the audio, and we have our own podcast as well. So uh, we get the show out in in various ways, um, and, and we want to make it easy for you to find it. Uh, and so you can find the Theology Nights podcast on all major platforms. Just search Theology Nights 
Uh, and then on YouTube, same way, just search Theology Nights and subscribe to our channel because the YouTube channel is where we do most of our traffic. I have about 170 some videos on my YouTube channel, uh, teaching and um, vlog style videos and behind the scenes videos with Logos work and um, our live shows also on there. Just there's a lot of videos. Um, I've sort of just gone all in with video content and uh, I've had people respond well to that. Uh, so that's kind of my niche, so to say, is, is video teaching. Um, but yeah, we do a lot of stuff. Um, we, uh, we do live shows at conferences. We do, uh, interviews with local pastors. We've had, you know, lucky enough, we've had some, uh, some great guys on. We had GK Beal on, uh, I've had Dustin Benj on twice. Uh, I had Dr. Askel on very recently. Um, so I've been lucky enough to have guys on, um, to, to, to learn from. And also people hear those names and they automatically, their ears go up and then they tune in and it introduces them to the content and uh, helps them to learn a little bit more about what we do. Well, thank you for telling us about Theology Nights. I'm going to transition our listeners into your Twitter page. Shout out to Brad Webb at bweb82 on Twitter. Uh, I keep up with your social media feed and I notice on your Twitter page, you're commonly tweeting about uh, overcoming laziness or uh, ways to stay productive in ministry. And uh, that's what we wanted to talk with you about here today on the Covenant Podcast. So what makes you so passionate about this topic? So to a certain extent, um, I, I probably uh, struggle with this the most because I set really high bars for myself. And to give you, like, let, let me, I'll give you an average day, let's say. Um, so I wake up at five in the morning and my day runs till about 1030 at night. Uh, and I do, um, I have a part-time driving job that I do in the morning. And then I have a big gap in between uh, in the morning and then first part of the afternoon. Those hours, I'm typically um, working on my media company stuff or doing stuff around the house I am I, always so aware of the things that I'm doing that it makes it really hard for me not to do stuff. And what I mean is it's, it's, I, I have to remind myself that it's like, it's okay for me to be lazy in and of this moment. And so when I talk about overcoming laziness, my mindset towards laziness is wrong. Um, the way that I'll work is I'm, I'll, I'll go lazy. Like, like I'll be two days down and I won't do a thing. Uh, but that's like, you know, it, I don't want to say it's a good thing, but if that happens, I know that's what my body needed. Like, I know that I needed that two days of not doing anything of just watching YouTube videos or whatever, you know, so, sometimes like these two days off, as I call them, like I don't do anything. Like literally I don't do anything. I, I just sort of, try to quiet my mind and get ready for what's coming. Um, so I'm, I'm passionate about it because we need laziness, but we also need to recognize when we're being lazy. Like if, does that make sense? Yeah. Because you, we need rest. Okay. And, and that can look like laziness, especially to people who are always go, go, go. And it's hard for somebody like me to just like disconnect and relax. Like even at late at night, I try to stop doing things like 9 PM. Like I, like I try that to be, I'm not doing homework. I'm not working on content. I'm not editing videos, nothing after 9 PM. So then 901 comes and I'm like fidgety. And I'm like, what do I do now? Like I, I should read a book. I need to go grab a book. Let me do that. I could work on this article. Let me go grab that article. But what I need to do in that moment is that's when I need to be lazy and I need to tell myself that it's okay to be lazy in that moment. Um, because sometimes the most godly thing you can do is to take a nap or, or to just be lazy. I'm not, I'm not serving anyone effectively if I'm, if I'm burnt out, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm not, um, I'm not serving my congregation well if I'm, if I, if I just have no care in my soul because I'm so tired because all I do is run, run, run. Uh, and, and laziness to me is, um, it just manifests itself in disconnecting for a couple of days and, and, and not, not in some sort of a sinful way, but I just zone out for a couple of days. I get kind of overloaded and that'll happen. And, you know, these two days go by and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go back on, on whatever run I want to go back on. Um, 
but I, I, I always try to stay aware, aware of it. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because I want to be aware of it. And I'm trying to change myself to be okay with, Hey, nine, t- 9 PM to 10 PM is my, my relaxed time. It's okay to just shut down at that moment. Uh, it's a big struggle for me. If I'm, if I'm being honest, it's, it's mm. a big struggle. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that, to the go, go, go and having a hard time stopping and then eventually just being forced to stop because I'm so tired. Um, yep. th- this next question kind of shifts gears a little bit and gets us more into looking at this theologically. Um, what does it say about humanity whenever we succumb to laziness? And, and laziness um, here means more so like slothful laziness and not, not yeah. resting. Um, and, and what can this teach us about the doctrine of man in particular? Well, I think um, nine times out of ten, uh, the man is going to choose laziness. Um, I, I think because it is the idea of it sounds so good. Um, at that moment, you think I've been working hard, and yeah, I would like to just be lazy for the next two days, or or next day, or whatever it looks like, whatever your laziness looks like. But what it does, and and I think it gives us a glimpse of the need for rest, okay? Now, not the extreme, go off the grid, eat Cheetos for four days laziness, but like this is giving you a picture of what you need to incorporate into your schedule because it is impossible for you, for me, uh, for James, like it's impossible for all of us with all the things that we have going on and, and pastoring and teaching and shepherding and, and caring for our families and things like that. It's impossible for us to do those things without taking time for ourselves. And that when we succumb to laziness like that, that reminds us that this is something that we need to do. Again, we need to set barriers on it. We need to understand that like what's the good and what's the bad. Um, you know, the bad is like you ate two full pizzas last night and now you're sick the next day. And so you wasted your laziness. Um, but the good is having a couple pieces of pizza and watching, you know, if, if you're a sports fan, watching the, watching the game. And um, that's what everybody talks about. Um, there is a good because, again, man is going to succumb to laziness, period. Like it's going to happen. So man likes that. But man also can use that in a good way because having that moment of laziness Whatever it looks like for you, as long as it, as long as you set some some barriers, it's going to help you in the long run. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. 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 So uh, you mentioned some of your schedule and uh, some things that you go through during the day. What are some steps that you've taken in your life to become more productive in your ministry context? So that is, okay, so this is probably going to take me a, a long period of time That's all uh, right. because I've changed um, systems like numerous times, okay? So one system that has never changed is Google Calendar. I use Google Calendar for everything. Appointments are color-coded, uh, meetings, everything I do, I like I block times out, it, you know, just so I can see my day in my hand. It's like, okay, well... So I have these things going on, and then I have an hour in between here. So that hour I'm going to use for my – I have to read a textbook. I'll, I'll read that during that time. And then I have a two-hour window here. Um, okay, well, that I need to mow, so I'm going to mow at that time. It just – the calendar, putting, putting everything into the calendar helps me to see my day in such a more clear way. It's right there for me. I know what I have to do. Um, it takes away a lot of the guessing and it takes away a lot of the anxiety because my, my problem is when I sit down at the computer, I instantly think about all the other things that I have to do. And so I will sit at my computer, I'll work for five minutes, something goes off in my mind and I go upstairs and I see all the dishes need done. Then I start doing the dishes and then I'm like, oh, I got to bring the laundry down. So I bring the laundry down and then before I know it, it's an hour later and I have not been back to my computer. So I, that's why I had to develop this system, the, these, this structure. I am a, I'm a structure is just, uh, it really, really helps me out. Uh, the more structure, the better is kind of like what, what I work the best with. I don't, I don't like free time in the sense of 
I don't know what to do. And so then I'm just kind of like, it gives me anxiety really bad. I like to know, like my free time is coming at seven. So I'm going to do the tasks that I have. And then at seven o'clock, I got a, I got a free hour or so. Um, I have changed, um, note taking systems 45,000 times. Probably (laughs) I am in a love hate relationship with Evernote. Um, I'm currently loving it, but it's not really, you know, if Evernote wanted to break up with me, I would not mind. I've tried to get it to look like what I want it to. And I don't know. I just can't get it. Like I don't use it consistently. I think is the problem because the stuff that I'm looking to track, I have actually shifted over to Logos and I'm trying to do Logos, uh, all of my theology stuff inside there. So I have that system developed and I can I can mimic what I was trying to do inside of Evernote in Logos and it just makes more sense to have it in there. Uh, but Evernote, for example, my wife and I, we have a shared schedule. Um, so I see her week schedule and then I put my schedule in there. Uh, we have our, our dinner menu that we put in there as a shared uh, memo. We also put the grocery list in there uh, so we could both see that stuff. Uh, those are good aspects of, of things that help me be productive. I have receipts saved in there. I have um, I, I have various folders that I uh, that I do uh, use. I just I, I you know I just don't use it consistently, and and that's that's just my own admission. I, I just I never use it consistently enough, um, but it's there, and I you know I tr- I try with it. Um, I, you know I try with it. Most of my um, I will say this, most of my writing, so doing outlines for shows and things like that, I do that in Evernote. Um, most of my outlines for my podcasts and things like that, I store in Evernote. So that's where all of that stuff is. Uh, anything for the podcast or for the show that I need to access is dumped into Evernote and it pulls from there. Um, so that's how I use that for productivity. Uh, and then I have... Um, Gosh, what else? What are some of the steps you've taken in life to become more productive in your ministry context? Um, email uh, streamlines uh, a little bit easier to use one app instead of two. So I use the Microsoft Outlook app for all of my email. So I have um, I have church email, school email, my business email, and then my personal Gmail that goes to one inbox. Um, so I'm not like um, I, you know, I'm not in Outlook with two inboxes and then I have to go to Gmail for another two inboxes. I use one app that really helps. Um, I, that it might not work for everybody, but I just imported all of my stuff into there. Uh, and then, uh, Google calendar. I don't know if I mentioned Google calendar or not, but I put every single detail about my day, uh, in Google calendar. If we were on video, I would show you, I, I, I mean, literally from the time that I wake up to the time that I go to bed, it's, it's planned out. Even if it's free time, uh, I put free time in there. Uh, but I want to see my day and I want to know like, Hey, where am I going? And I want to just be able to, to kind of get on autopilot so I can get done the things that I need to get done. And, and it also helps me to know where I need to, um, where I need to conserve energy and where I can, um, where I can have somebody else do a task. Uh, that's something that I've tried to get better at is, is, um, not doing every single thing in the world, um, having others help me. And so putting everything step-by-step in my calendar, I could take a quick look and think like, I don't need to do that. I could email so-and-so and that person could take care of it for me. And then I do it. So then that cuts stuff off my calendar. Uh, but the calendar for me, my, my Google calendar is the number one tool that I use for productivity. Um, and being intentional about designing it, not just putting doctor's appointments in and not just putting in a birthday, but every single day designing your day. And, and on Sundays, I design my week. Um, I, it's real simple, too, because once you put something in, you can just set it to repeat whenever you want it to. So it makes it a lot easier than it sounds. Uh, you just have to spend some time uh, working on it. But believe me, the results are they're amazing. They, they really are. Hmm. What are some of the biggest distractions that a minister faces throughout the week? And and then also, not just talking about ministers, but also what are some of the distractions that that um, other Christians also within the congregation face that would hinder their, their devotional time? Yeah, so me as a pastor, um, distractions manifest itself in a variety of ways. Um, it first manifests itself in schedule. 
So um, the church that I'm a pastor at, um, there is the lead pastor, I'm associate pastor, and then we have a teaching elder. Um, the lead pastor just had twin girls, and he has two other boys, uh, so he is tied up with that. Uh, our lead elder, uh, teaching elder, he is a professor at a local college, uh, teaches engineering, and he teaches you know pretty high-level classes, so he has that going on, and then all of the stuff that I have going on. So we have a really crazy schedule between the three of us. The distractions that come in play with us most commonly is the schedule because we all understand every one of us has stuff going on, but we need to remember in the back of our heads, like, listen, like pastoral work needs to be up towards the top of the list. Um, we give each other grace because we know, like, cause we're going through it. Like we know that your schedule is full. Uh, but that is the, that's the biggest challenge. I don't know if it's, a, I would say distraction, but it's the biggest challenge that we face throughout the week is schedule. Because it's real easy for me to say when somebody messages me and says, hey, can you meet at 9 p.m. on Wednesday? My initial response is going to be no, because I don't do well. I'm not a night guy. Like I'm a daytime guy. First thing in the morning, I'd meet you at 5 a.m. and we would have a great conversation. But I buy nine o'clock at night. I'm pretty much burned out, gassed. But I have to remember, like, listen, like, like this person needs something from from the pastoral team. And so I have to remember that, yeah, it, it, it's past my bedtime, quote unquote, bedtime. Uh, but this person has a need and I need to be there for them. So I need to adjust my schedule that day. Uh, what can I do differently to free up some time leading up to that 9 p.m. meeting that will give me a chance to rest? Uh, so I'm not just going from my one o'clock meeting to my four o'clock meeting to my seven o'clock meeting to my nine o'clock meeting. And then I don't get home till, you know, 11 o'clock. And then I got, I have to wake up at five. And so I'm six hours later starting the day back all over again. So the schedule, um, you, but there's also the things that I block out time for that are non-negotiable unless there's an emergency, um, sermon prep time. We all have that built into our calendar. Those are non-negotiables. Uh, because we want that to be the priority in our church is the study. And so as we're developing our weeks, we put that in a calendar and the, the three of us can see our calendar. So we know uh, makes it a lot easier for trying to schedule events. But we put in there like, hey, this is my sermon prep time. And we know like don't text that person during that time unless it's an emergency. Uh, we know not to ask to change the dates. And it works really well for us because we guard that time. Uh, we need to guard that time. Um, so, so our schedule, that's the biggest distraction that we face because it's constantly changing. Um, you know, I could sit down on Sunday night to make my schedule for the week and Monday morning I could get a call that completely changes the entire week and, and we're only eight hours into the week. Um, so it's always, always changing. Um, but thankfully, um, for the most part, we've got a pretty good system right now. And, uh, we're, 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 we're really from that perspective. Um, you know, you know, we have distractions of like, you know, we have, um, members that need help moving or members that need to find a dining room table or members that need this, you know, that those types of distractions, they just naturally happen. And with a lot of that stuff, it's just fielding phone calls or getting people gathered together and like coordinating event. And we could do that pretty quickly. Thankfully we have a lot of guys that are, they jump at the hat. Uh, if somebody needs to move something, they just go do it. And so that takes care of it for us. Um, so that would be uh, from the minister. And what was the second part you said? It is, um, what are some of the distractions? Not not those who are in ministry have, but, or I mean, per se, vocational ministry or, or as elders in a church or of something of that nature. Um, what are some distractions that they may face in life that, that might hinder them from having a regular devotional time? Wow, that's a great question. Um, number one, I think you have to ask, do they have the desire to do that? Um, because that's the biggest distraction. I think um, you could be convicted about your need for Bible study, but if you don't have the desire for it, then that's going to win. Um, you're going to struggle with it. You're going to get downstairs. and All right, I'm doing it today. I got my notebook out. I'm at uh, first John or whatever book I was told to study through and I'm going to read it for five minutes and I'm going to step back and go, all right, well now what, now what do I do? Um, because if the desire is not there, uh, you're going to have, it's going to be tough. Um, so, so the distraction that I first think of is the desire. 
the, I, I always talk to, to our, our members about this that are, that are struggling to walk with Christ. I say, when are you walking with Christ? And they'll admit like, well, on Sunday mornings, you know, <laughs> and it's barely Sunday mornings. Okay. Well, there you go. There's our, that's our first, that's what we're going to work on first. So why are you not, um, why can't you attend Wednesday night groups? How come you can't attend Friday night groups? How come you can't attend Sunday night groups? Like we don't expect our members to attend all of these things, but we ask them that because we want to make our, um, we want to make our schedule fit for the people. Like, so we constantly change stuff. Like we want to, we want to mold it and shape it to make it available for as many people. And so then I have a conversation with them and they say, well, you know what? I'm just struggling right now. That's, that's good because now that means we can get somewhere with it. So, so what are you struggling about? Like, is it, is it doubt? Are you doubting your faith? Um, do you not quite know how to get into the scriptures? Do you not believe the power of the scriptures? Like, are you seeking something else? Are you, are you tired? Is it something, you know what I mean? Like there's so many questions that we can ask and then we can begin to diagnose the person. Uh, and a lot of times it just comes down to like, I'm just tired. I, I just don't have the desire to do it. I'd rather lay on the couch and watch Netflix. And that's a huge distraction. And that's part of another th- area that I wanted to say too, was technology and social media and all of these things. And, and, and like, listen, like I'm not, I have like right now I have four screens in front of me and I'm in my basement studio office and I have monitors everywhere. I loved screens. I love them. I, I would walk around with a 15 inch cell phone just so I could see whatever I needed to see bigger. And I would just fold it up in my pocket. I'm one of those guys. I like screens. So I would never tell somebody to get rid of all your screens. I think that actually would cause more harm than any good. What I tell a lot of people is like, okay, well, maybe let's stop Netflix. Let, let's just take one thing out and let's replace that with a sermon that I send you. Uh, I, I, I'll send you a sermon and, and it's 45 minutes to an hour. So it's roughly, uh, you know, like, like I ask them how long you binge watch Netflix for. And you get varying amount of answers. Sometimes it's for an hour. Sometimes it's for six or seven hours. Um, we've we've done it. I'm guilty. Uh, so what I'll say is, how can I help you replace that Netflix with something that's more productive from uh, a Bible perspective? And I'll send them like, hey, there's a documentary about this. Would you be interested in watching it? I'll send them that. Uh, hey, here's uh, Shepherd's Conference. Here's some of their sermons. Why don't you watch through that? I'll even invite them over and we watch through some of that stuff together. Um, so that kind of helps them to avoid the distraction of getting pulled away by social media and by Netflix and Hulu and how easy it is, uh, to just do those things instead. And I mean, like, listen, we all go through seasons like that where it's just like, that's what you want to do. And, and that's what you do. And it happens. Um, but I think what we have to remember is that, um, that's temporary that's, that's, that's only temporary. And, and our lasting joy comes from the word of God. And it's not just a five minute peak. And that's what, you know, you kind of get, I, I, I talk to people about um, this all the time and they say that they're like, well, I spend about five minutes in the Bible every morning. And I say like, you're just taking a peek. Like you're just lifting up the corner of the Bible and like barely getting a view of a letter. And that's not going to sustain you. That, that's not at all going to sustain you. That's why you don't have that desire to be in Scripture, because you're not allowing yourself the chance to be in Scripture. Um, I, I, I always try to help people set up their system. What does it look like? Like, I want somebody, when they commit to studying Scripture, I want to, I want to remove every distraction that they could have. And I want to say to them, all right, here's what you're going to study. Here's what you need. Here's how it's going to look. And then you and I are going to talk the next day. You leave your cell phone upstairs, turn off your notifications, bring your notebook, your pen, and your Bible, and that's all you need, and get away to the most quietest place you have in your house. That's where you're going to do your Bible study, and you're going to do a Bible study for it. We start out, like, let's say 30 minutes. Let's start with 30 minutes, and before you know it, if people stick with it, they realize like that 30 minutes is not that long at all, but the goal is to get them doing that naturally. Whatever it looks like, if they start their day with it, if it's before they go to bed, we want to replace the Netflix routine with the Bible study routine. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I'm tracking with you. Are you uh, tracking with me? I'm tracking with you. What are, uh, what are some good habits to cultivate in our lives to help us dig deeper into the Word of God? I know you've mentioned some in that last answer, like inviting people over, replacing sermons with Netflix. But let's say we have someone that is 
struggling to get into the Word of God because they are directly uh, distracted by something like you mentioned. How can I put someone's face in their Bible? <laughs> yeah, good, good, good question. So um, I would ask them if they are struggling to read. Um, I would ask them, are they struggling to find a place where they can devote to reading um, or if it's something else? Uh, I also ask, have you tried a different way? Because the audio Bibles that we have available right now are fantastic. Now, I'm not an audio Bible guy um, because normally when I'm Bible reading, I've got a pen in my hand with a notebook and I, and I love making notes on my Bible and stuff like that. I just I enjoy interacting that way. But what I've noticed personally is if I'm doing a like um, like a 90 days through the Bible, like I, I listen to the Bible when I'm when I'm driving and stuff like that. And and it actually inspires me to get home and to get into the word. So I tell people like, hey, try listening to the Bible. If you have if you're having trouble reading it, sitting down and reading it. Uh, try listening to it. Get it. Get an audio Bible. There's plenty that are free, and, and that might help you there. Um, I always ask people what translation. You don't. I've spoken to so many people that have King James Bibles, and they say I struggle to read the Bible, and they tell me that, and I'm like, well, no kidding, you're struggling to read the Bible. Like, has anybody not told you about like the ESV or the CSB or the NASB? And they're like. What words did you just say? So like right there, that's a practical thing you could do. Give them a, a different Bible. Like don't read the King James. Like like don't read the King James. That's If you are struggling to read the Bible, the King James Bible is not the one for you. Go get with it. Go get a different translation. That that's a that's a good step that you could you could take. That's a good habit to change. Um, and then make it a, like you have to find a system, I think, is what really it, it comes down to, because. What you're going to do, and, and it, we're coming up on the new year, and this is what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. People are going to start saying this. And, and that goal is great if that's for you. And, and, and I'm not, I won't get into a tangent about Bible reading plans and stuff like that. The, the problem is, is if you don't have a plan while you're going to read, you're just, you're going to get confused and go, all right, well, what am I doing? Like I'm reading this two chapters and that's all that I had to do. So what now? I think developing your own Bible study system is the best way to do it. So let's say you want to study justification. Okay. You want to find one resource on justification. You want to study the book of Romans and you want to have a notebook and a pen and you want to work your way through the book of Romans and you want to highlight everything that talks about justification and you want to make it interactive and you want to do stuff with the text. That is your goal. Your goal should be to develop a Bible study routine that is just so natural. It becomes a habit excuse me, it becomes a habit to you that it's not something that you have to try about. Yes, it Make does. Sense? Um, I'm going to read a quick passage here before I ask the next question um, from Ephesians. It, it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Um, in, in my opinion, that, that's one of the key passages when talking about time management, productivity, rest, and things like that. So that kind of sets the stage for this next question. Um, in your opinion, what is the relationship between things like productivity, um, rest, as well as leisure? Yeah. So... Um, everybody's leisure is going to look a little different. Okay. Um, I'll kind of work through these systematically. Like leisure, for example, for me, um, is reading a book. Like that's going to be my leisurely activity. Um, I'm not going to go out and fish. I'm not going to go out and go for a walk in the woods. Like that's not me. Like it's, if I'm, if I'm trying to do something leisurely, which is just something I just enjoy and, and I can disconnect for a little bit, it's going to be reading a book. It's like going to be on the back porch of a nice cabin with a cup of coffee just reading a book. Um, so leisurely, um, you, you're most of the people are going to give an answer. Like I'm going to go fishing or I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that. Yeah. You need to develop those things, especially if you have kids, you need to be doing things like that, uh, to show your kids, uh, fun. Um, and you need to, um, you need to develop family vacations and, and family time and, and all of those things are, are great. And I think as long as you are, 
as long as you are teaching or reminding yourself, however you want to do it, that these things are a gift from God. Like this leisure time is God's grace to us to take a break. I think that's important for um, the first step. Uh, what were the other two uh, parts of the question? Uh, Brother Jimmy asked, how does productivity, rest, and leisure uh, relate to one another specifically? Productivity, productivity and rest and leisure. Okay. So we covered um, leisure. Um, so let's go productivity. Um, you can be so hyper aware of being productive and miss Christ in everything that you do. And sometimes I'm guilty of that because I might have a day where I've got, um, I have a Hebrew midterm. Uh, I've got two uh, written assignments that I have to turn in. Uh, I'm preaching Sunday, so I have to work on my sermon. Uh, I have a new client that needs this. I have this going on at home. I have all of these things going on. And so I systematically work through all of these things and I get done at the end of the day and I'm like, man, I killed it today. I got everything done on my productivity list. I got everything done and miss Christ in everything that I did. Um, so that's a reminder for me is that when we are being productive and everybody's productivity looks different. I think one, um, one sort of takeaway for anybody listening is that don't compare your productivity to somebody else uh, because that's something that I struggle with. Be productive. Like, don't invent things to be productive just so you look productive. Like, take a notebook, write down the commitments that you have, write down what you want to do, write down where you need to be, and develop a system from that. Uh, but don't go look at these guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, how they're always doing stuff, and don't try to be productive like that guy because that you're not that guy. That's that's not what you're called to be. Uh, be productive with what you have to be productive in, but don't miss Christ along the way uh, because really then you're not being productive. Uh, you're being productive from an earthly standpoint, but um, not from a, a spiritual standpoint. Uh, and then rest. I think, um, I, I don't know who said it. I don't know. It, it, somebody told me it was D.A. Carson. I don't know if D.A. Carson said this, but he, D.A. Carson has a quote attributed to him. He says that sometimes the most godly thing you can do is take a rest. And I really believe in that because in my personal life, there has been so many times where my wife has told me, like, you're on the verge of burnout. You need to cancel what you have going on tonight and take a rest. And I, I, I always, I always uh, divert to her decisions because when she, she she's at first of, she's a counselor, so she knows me in and out. She knows all of my, you know, like my my mental issues and my my quirks and the things that like she sees in advance that leads to me burning out. So she'll call it out in advance. But she has really helped me to rest, uh, to just like just go lay in bed with the lights off, no devices. And just I, I just go in, and I close my eyes and I, and I just get some rest. And if I fall asleep for a couple hours, I fall asleep because that's what I need. Uh, if I end up just praying for a couple hours, that's what I need. But rest is is a vital part of living the Christian life. And now, I'm not talking about like, you know, you come home, you take a two and a half hour nap every day, like. That's not at all what I'm advocating for. I think everybody would agree. You're not being productive if you're doing that every single day. But like, man, I'm, you need to listen to your, if you're a, if you're a productive person, you need to listen to your body because your body is going to tell you when it needs rest, plain and simple. And when it does, give it rest. Um, you are not useful to anybody in ministry when you are dragging and when you are visibly, when because when you get tired, it, that's the first thing that goes. You visibly look different. Um, we are not helpful as stewards of the word if we are not giving them our best. And uh, sometimes rest is what gets us back to giving them our best. And so I am a big fan of, of set, uh, scheduling that in. Um, it looks like a, a, a Saturday night. Just take your wife out for dinner and, and go to bed early. Or if it looks like a two-day adventure away, whatever your idea of rest is, don't be afraid to take it. Get it on your schedule. It really will make a difference. Let's uh let's talk about Logos. You alluded to it earlier. Uh, Jimmy is a big Logos guy. I'm a big Logos guy. You're a big Logos guy. How does Logos Bible Software help you with your productivity? And what are what are some of your favorite resources on Logos? And how does Logos help uh, your study, sermon prep, devotional? Uh, I just kind of want to 
hear what you do on this study resource. Yeah. So I use Logos every day. Um, one form or another. Um, I, I have various layouts saved. So like if I, I, you know, we're teaching through judges right now, so I might pull it up for the judges layout, which is the text that we're in. And then, um, I'll have some of my commentaries open next to it. Um, I have my live stream layout. So if I'm doing a show, I like to have a certain layout that I use that I broadcast. Uh, so I have that layout that I might use. Uh, but what I've been doing, and I kind of mentioned before, is I'm creating this notebook system inside of Logos where I've um, basically just developed Evernote inside of Logos. And so I've um, started doing, um, I listed out every book in the Old Testament, every book in the New Testament, uh, and I create folders for Ephesians. And so anything related to the book of Ephesians goes in this folder and I can find it immediately. Any articles that I've written about Ephesians, they're in there. Any sermons that I've preached about Ephesians, they're in there. Uh, any clippings that I receive from books about Ephesians, they're in there. I've tried to. This is what I was trying to do in Evernote, uh, but I found it to be, now that I have this system in place with Logos, how I like it, it works much easier because it's already in Logos. Um, so I use it for uh, research a lot. Um that, that's probably number one. And then number two would be the original languages. Uh, I'm in Hebrew right now, so I use it a lot for Hebrew. Um, I don't really know what I'm looking at because I can't understand Hebrew at all. Um, but I'm, you know, attempting and I'm going to pass, Lord willing. And uh, then we'll move on. Um, but I use it for Hebrew. with When I had Greek uh, last term, it was extremely helpful for Greek. Uh, it really made the text come alive and... Um, just to the have, listen, I'm a physical book guy. I love physical books, but my love for digital reference books and commentaries and big encyclopedias and stuff like that has grown so much because of Logos. I normally buy the big works in Logos now. I like to have them in digital form. They're searchable. Um, and the coolest thing, like like one of the, and it's so silly, but man, I love it so much. Like when you highlight something in one of these books and then you copy it to a Microsoft Word document, it automatically cites it for you in the proper way. Like when I'm writing a paper, the most, I, the thing I hate the most about writing papers is citations and, and formatting and stuff like that. With Logos, I don't even have to worry about it. I've set it up. It it formats things to my uh, Word Arabian. So I copy, it pastes it as that format. It can't get easier. Like, listen, like the software is worth it just for that reason. If you're in college, like I, and I'm not joking. Like I love it that much. Um, so that, and I use it every day cause I'm in Logos every day, writing papers or doing research and stuff like that. And so that feature is just, oh my gosh, um, it's fantastic. But, but then the, the ability to, um, create custom layouts where you don't have to find all these resources again, you can just save them as a layout. And then the next time you jump on Logos, click the button up at the top and it's, oh, this is exactly what I was working on last night. And here it is. Um, that's invaluable because um, Logos is an overwhelming piece of software. There's there's a lot of stuff in it. It's confusing. It's time consuming. Um, but there are ways to make it not those things. And one of those ways is to create layouts. Um, but yeah, I, mean, there, I could go on and on and on about Logos. Um, it really has helped. Um, I, but I think you just have, if I could give a tip for like the beginning user, you just got to get in there and use it. Um, you got to learn about it because you're not going to be able to use it um, I've been using it for three years now, and I still don't use it to its full full potential. Um, I'll have a conversation with somebody about Logos, and we'll be talking about one thing, and then this guy will tell me something, and I'm like, I had no idea that existed. So I'm I'm still learning today, and I I spend time watching videos, and I I listen to um, training uh, sessions, and I uh, interact with people on the Logos forums to learn about this stuff. Um, if you invest into the software, you need to invest into the training as well. I agree. Logos is definitely a time saver for all things ministry and theologically related, in my opinion, as well as with the languages. Um, I skipped a question earlier because I've been having technical difficulties, but I'm going to go back to it. Are there any steps that a Christian can take to to help them be accountable to to the product 
productivity to their schedule, just to being a, a productive um, member of Christ Church in, in the world today? So, so it's number seven. Are there any steps that a Christian can take to be accountable to others in their productivity? Is that what the question was? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, accountable to others. Define the others. Are you saying the Christian being accountable to their church or their family or both? Let's go ahead and say both. I mean, how can they form, okay. I guess, let me reword the question. How how can they, they bring others into their life to help them be productive? Got it. And, and what Got are it. some okay. ways they can do that? Okay, that's a great question. Um, I think one example is, um, like with my wife and I, um, she is aware of everything I do. Like, even if, if it's just five minutes, like, like she knows like all, like everything I do, like I put on the calendar and record this podcast. So she knows about that. Uh, I'll tell her about this meeting and I tell her about something else that I'm working on. Um, I tell her these things for two reasons. One, um, so she knows what's going on in my life, but more importantly, number two, it's so she can keep me accountable. Um, she knew that 6.30 tonight I was doing this podcast. So if for some reason I wasn't downstairs and I was upstairs still at 6.20, she could say, hey, aren't you supposed to be downstairs? You have that podcast. Um, so yeah, I do. Sorry. Thank you for reminding me that I can come downstairs. So I do that with everything with her. She's the the first person to hold me accountable. Uh, and then I have my elders team and my elders team is the same way. Um, they hold me accountable with like, hey guys, um, this is what I'm trying to work on this week. I am trying to speak with, um, have a, have a detailed, intimate conversation with at least one person from our church every day. Uh, whether that's, uh, through email, whether that's through a phone call, whether that's a cup of coffee every day, I'm trying to make a connection with somebody from our church, hold me accountable on that. So we got an app together, um, that tracks it and it suggests people and we can store all their contact information. Um, so we have that and, and that app is available for, um, the quote unquote everyday Christian. You can get this app and you can enter in your contacts and it'll remind you to contact that person and pray for that person. Um, and, and you could put in there like you want to pray for this person about whatever it is and it'll remind you to do that. Um, it makes it really simple. Um, that's an accountability system in and of itself. But I think just verbalizing to your, your close friends the things that you're trying to do, I think will naturally draw them in, um, at least from a... I'm kind of curious about what this guy's doing. So let me check it out for a moment. And then most of the times they grab onto it. If they see you doing something that um, you're trying to better your life in a way, they they want that. And so so verbalizing what it is that you're doing to your circle of people, that really helps. Yeah, good answer. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, we're starting to uh, wind down on this discussion and uh, before we do we want to ask you what resources resources excuse me would you recommend for those who are seeking to come to a biblical understanding of productivity uh so from a book perspective one of the best books that i ever read uh about this was called what's best next by matt perman uh, it's how the gospel transforms the way you get things done uh, it is a productivity book that is centered around christ because the problem is, um, and there's one book I am going to recommend. Um, these, 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 this niche in the bookstore is huge of of productivity and stuff like that. But most of the books are not Christian books, and so you're going to get answers like just believe in yourself and and you're great. You can do anything you want to, and um, so uh, you know we're going to disagree with a lot of the stuff that's inside the books. Uh, so thankfully, um, Matt Perman has two books out. He has this What's Best Next, How the Gospel Transforms the Way You Get Things Done. And then he also has this book called How to Get Unstuck, Breaking Free from Barriers to Your Productivity. Um, I'd read both. Um, the one is $12.63 on Amazon. The other one's $14. Bucks. Uh, get a $25 gift card and um, buy both of them. Honestly, they are that good. I am a productivity book junkie. And I tore through these books and I, and I know exactly where they are and I reference them at times. Um, they're very practical. Um, nothing is going to go over your head in these books because a lot of times when you get a productivity book, it can err on the side of like business and it's going to talk a lot about what you don't even care to learn about. Um, you just want to learn about being productive. Uh, so those two books I definitely recommend. And then one other book I would recommend is uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, it's a, a newer book. 
and it is a quote unquote secular book, but it just is a book about habits and it's a book about making small changes. It's a way to break bad habits and to develop new ones. Um, and, and I, most libraries have it. So if you don't want to buy it, get it from your library, but, but read it. It is a fantastic, it's the best non-Christian book on productivity that I've ever read. Honestly, um, it really gave me some things to, uh, to change, uh, to develop a framework as it's called, uh, about changing habits and to change my system. Um, he uses that word over and over again. It's the system. It's not the habit. Um, but yeah, I recommend that book. Um, and then I also recommend, um, like a, like a good productivity app. Evernote is, is, is the one that is most common. Um, I, I would, I would invest into Evernote. Um, I would, I would develop, uh, notebooks that work for you and I would just start pouring information into there. Uh, so you can recall it at a later time. Thank you for, for those recommendations. I've, I've read Atomic Habits as well as What's Best Next. Um, they're both very good. I haven't read the last one by Matt Perman yet. But um, thank you so much, Brad, for coming on the Covenant podcast and just discussing this, this subject of productivity. And I appreciate it, man. I'm so honored that you guys would have me on. Um, I, yeah, I, I am just... Um... Yeah, I, I am so grateful. Thank you so much. Well, this episode, as many of the ones prior to it, is brought to you by our friends at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS exists to provide ministerial training in the context of a confessional local church. They are, among other things, confessional, Baptist, affordable, and accessible. Additionally, they are recently accredited. Stay tuned for more information about that. And you can learn about them at cbtseminary.org. Again, that is cbtseminary.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. If you've enjoyed this resource or you simply like the Covenant Podcast, head on over to our iTunes page, subscribe, and leave us a review. We are also available via Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, and Podbean. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.